Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. We're taking an audible tonight, and instead of reading from the book Delight, I'll be reading from the book Jesus at the Center of My Messy Life, Tales from the Next Step Community, Year One. There are 66 different essays and articles. I think you'll love this book. It's a great size. They're easy reads. You could use it as a daily devotion. It'd be a great gift for a friend. Uh, if you have a small bookshelf in your bathroom, this would be ideal. But I'd like to read you a couple of those. We'll let Katie Helmreich read her article, the opening article, uh, when we get her on the Next Step podcast. I'd like to start on page six with my first article in this collection. And uh, the, the first section is called Fall and Winter, and it takes blogs from that first year of the Next Step community in, that, in those seasons. And then section two is Spring and Summer, and it kind of goes from there. But this was from last fall, and it is called First and Forty by Justin Rosso. Have you ever been really discouraged in your discipleship journey? This week kicks off the 100th season of the National Football League. My wife and I caught the fourth quarter of the Chicago Bears' home opener against division rivals, the Green Bay Packers. Since I grew up in Detroit, I was rooting for them both to lose. And then something happened I'd never seen before. The Bears were down 3-7, about midway through the last quarter of play. Their offense, which had not yet worked out all of their preseason kinks, was finally starting to move the ball. They'd gotten a first down inside Green Bay territory and were only a few yards from field goal range. That's when the wheels started to fall off. It was first and 10, and the incomplete pass was nothing special, nor was the holding call on the Bears' offensive line. That's a 10-yard penalty, repeat first down. So now it's first and 20. The Bears try something, play action, if I remember right, which didn't amount to much except another flag against the Bears. Illegal hands to the face, 10-yard penalty, repeat first down. We've gone from just outside of field goal range to the other side of midfield. The Bears are struggling. It's first down and 30, and the Packers dial up some serious pressure for the pass play they know is coming. The Bears quarterback drops back to pass, the pocket begins to collapse around him. He feels a heavy hand on his back shoulder, ducks, spins out of trouble, and throws an amazing pass downfield. Having just lost 20 yards in penalties on the last two plays, quarterback Mitch Trubisky, back then it was still Mitch, had dodged tacklers and delivered an amazing 52-yard completion to put the Bears in striking distance of a lead-changing touchdown. Except there is a flag on the play. In order to get the space he needed to catch that desperate pass, the wide receiver put both hands on the back of the defender and pushed. That's called offensive pass interference. And you guessed it, it's a 10-yard penalty. Repeat, first down. That's the thing I've never seen before. First down and 40. First down with only 40 yards to go. That had to be just a terrible feeling of frustration and failure. Things were going so well, and suddenly everything you try starts going from bad to worse. Even when you make a great effort, and it looks like you've just done something amazing, more information comes to light that sets you back even more. Your goal is getting 
farther and farther out of reach. The people who are supposed to be your biggest fans have started booing you. You thought you were in an almost impossible situation, and then you thought you had miraculously gotten out of it, and then you find yourself in an even worse position. You've got to go try again, but with no hope and no chance, and three more tries before you can punt. Do you ever feel like that? Has your discipleship walk ever gone from bad to worse? Have you found yourself overburdened and then something happened and you thought things were going to improve dramatically and then more information comes to light and you are worse off than before? Do you wish you could just punt and get it over with? Because the effort of going out and getting pummeled again is just not worth it. That kind of discouragement is actually a natural part of following Jesus. And it can affect not only your attitude, but your performance. It even limits what you see as possible. First and 40 for the Bears, and Trubisky throws a quick out route to his wide receiver. The, rece the receiver, knowing it's first and 40, turns his head to start running upfield just before the ball arrives. It's hard to catch an NFL pass if you're looking in the other direction. The pressure of gaining 40 yards in the next three plays made the receiver take his eyes off the ball. It actually looked like he was playing volleyball instead of football because he basically spiked the pass into the ground. It wasn't a difficult play, and there wasn't even a defender in the area, but the pressure of first and 40 affected the pass. <coughs> Second and 40, and the Bears try a play that goes nowhere. Third and 40, and the commentator says something like, I wonder what the offensive coordinator is going to dial up. There aren't too many options in your playbook for third and 40. They'll probably go at the screen to try and gain some positive yards. The commentator knew what was coming. The Packers knew it was coming. The predictable screen pass gained the predictable two yards, but what are you going to do? Your options are limited when it's third and 40. That football series reminded me of something that when you're right in the middle of, is really hard to see and so really hard to deal with. In our American culture, we typically and uncritically experience life as if it were a journey. We make progress in life. We have a direction in life. We can experience setbacks or wrong turns or new paths in life. As a culture, we are hyper-competitive. We tend to turn everything into a game with winners and losers and opponents and teammates and cheerleaders and victory parades. It doesn't matter whether you are thinking about your career or discipleship walk, you will naturally, automatically, and subconsciously think about and experience your life as a journey and as a competition. That's not all bad. In in fact, I'm not sure it is good or bad all by itself, but that way of thinking is powerful and most often hidden from our awareness, and that makes it dangerous. Have you ever felt like in your relationship with Jesus, on your journey of faith, that it's first and 40? That you're moving in the wrong direction? That your teammates are letting you down and your fans have betrayed you and the few remaining chances you have to get this right have no hope for success? Have you ever seen your relationship with Jesus suffer 
or felt like your options were limited because you were so far away from your goal. It's natural to feel that way. And that way of feeling is only natural if your faith walk is a journey in one direction with a set goal. Or faith is a competition where you have to work hard to gain ground in order to have success and therefore win the approval of coaches and fans. First and 40 seems like a discouraging place to be in your faith walk. <laughs> I know, I've been there. But the answer isn't to go out there and try hard to win one for the gipper. Your discouragement, your limited options, the pressure that makes you fail even at a simple task, all of that is directly related to the lens you are using to view your life. A lens that makes everything a goal-oriented journey and a competition that can be won or lost. And you are using that lens without knowing it. So what's another option? What do you do when, when, despite your best effort, it feels like first and 40 on your journey of faith? Call these three plays in the huddle and, and see what happens. Number one, feel what you feel. Acknowledge the frustration, the anger, the feeling that others have let you down or even that others are against you. Admit that you feel like a failure. Notice how you've been functioning lately, defeated, distracted, and under pressure to perform. Number two, notice the lens. This part is really hard. It's like a fish recognizing water or the boy on the matrix who says, there is no spoon. But this step is essential to a healthier way of experiencing your life, your faith, and your relationships with others. Connect your feeling and thought to why you feel and think that way. If you feel like you're going in the wrong direction, notice... That feeling only makes sense if you're on a journey with only one right goal or outcome. If you feel like a failure or that people are on the other team, notice that those feelings fit a competition in a way that may not be appropriate for your faith walk. Find a trusted friend to help you express what you feel and connect those feelings to the lens that is shaping the way you think and feel about what's going on. This step isn't easy. Thinking about our thinking and feeling is never easy. But once you get the hang of it, noticing your lens can be extremely helpful. Number three, look for Jesus. When it feels like first and 40 in your faith journey, remember this is not actually a football game. There is no spoon if the options in your playbook are shrinking, remember your options are narrow only if you define your next step in terms of having to make a lot of progress quickly. Instead of cursing the booing crowd or pouring your effort into a predictable fail, futile, a predictably futile or desperately risky... I think I'll read that sentence again. Instead of cursing the booing crowd or pouring your effort into the predictably futile or desperately risky... Call a timeout and look around for Jesus. I imagine he's somewhere close, waiting for you to notice, and inviting you to take a small next step following him. You don't have three chances to gain 40 yards. You have as many chances as you need to take one small step following him, and then another, 
and then another. Don't worry about direction. There is no one right way to get to the goal, and Jesus may even be leading you on a scenic route to show you something amazing you might otherwise have missed. You won't need your playbook as much good as it's doing you, but you will want the compass of God's word to help you discern which way Jesus is taking you and what your next step looks like. And you'll want some people around you to help you discover the promise from Jesus you'll need to take your next step. They aren't teammates to be blamed when they drop the ball, just people who need Jesus, like you. So if you feel like you've been taking a beating in your faith life and the good intentions you had for the fall already feel like they've been undermined to the point that you know you have no chance of making the playoffs, if you're burdened and exhausted and feel like throwing in the towel, take a deep breath, recalibrate, call a timeout, feel what you feel, But then notice the lens that is filtering your thoughts and feelings. Most importantly, look for Jesus. He's closer than you think, with more grace than you can imagine. And he's been leading you this whole time, even when you thought you were losing yardage and headed in the wrong direction. It's not easy, but taking one small step following Jesus is so much more fun than trying to score a game-winning touchdown when it's late in the fourth quarter and you're facing first and 40. Your job is not to find some way to win the game. Your job is to take one step following Jesus. Go Lions! That was uh, blog number two out of 66 in Jesus at the Center of My Messy Life, Tales from the Next Step Community. We'll get back to reading the Delight book on Monday, but for now, I'd like to move forward a little bit. So this book has several sections in it. The first section I just read from is called Fall and Winter, and section two is Spring and Summer. Then there's a, a series of articles on COVID and current culture. Uh, And then there's a section entirely dedicated to following Jesus. Really, all of the blogs could fit in the category of following Jesus, but there's some specific ones that deal with kind of discipleship and discipling ideas. And then a section on visual faith. Uh, So that's pretty cool, too. Uh, The partnership that Next Step Press has formed with Visual Faith Ministry has been a real blessing to us. And uh, we've got our third hymn journal coming out, and we it's really been a great year. Uh, just about a year ago now, I was working with Valerie Matthias on the very first thing that Next Step Press published was a, uh, a daily discipleship journal for Advent, and that had some visual faith experiments in it, some faith practices from Visual Faith Ministry, and uh, that's kind of where our relationship started. So there's a whole section in here on visual faith as well. Uh, But I would like to read another blog from me. We'll get some of the Visual Faith people to read some of their articles too sometime. But I'd like to read blog number 25. It's from the Following Jesus section. And it is called Discipleship and Everyday Life. Oh boy, we're running out of time. I guess I was... Took a little bit longer than I thought. Okay, let's do this and then we got one more. This one's a little bit shorter. On Sunday morning, I 
As I sat way up high in the balcony with my boy, this prayer caught my attention. Pastor, for those who are in danger of having the seed of the word choked out by the cares of this world, or through the neglect of the means of grace, are in danger of having the word in them be unfruitful, that they may be called to faithfulness once again, let us pray to the Lord. Congregation, Lord, have mercy. That prayer strikes me as relevant to a conversation I seem to have again and again on the topic of discipleship. I seem to hear people regularly affirm that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, for Christ's sake alone, and then, as if it were a next logical conclusion, that discipleship is a matter of living out your faith, a response to the gift that you've been given. I think that is selling discipleship a little short. Of course, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, for Christ's sake alone, and the Spirit promises to work that faith through means, through the means of grace. In fact, we have no promise that the Spirit works apart from means, which is not to say the Spirit doesn't or won't or couldn't work apart from means. God does whatever God wants. But if you wish to be certain, if you want to show up where God promises to be found, then you are left with the means of grace, word and sacrament. The Lord's Supper and baptism, for Lutherans, these are the two sacraments. You can also kind of count confession and absolution, which brings the total up to 2.5. These 2.5 sacraments happen most typically in the context of the divine service. We can call it Sunday worship if you want, but the old school divine service emphasizes that first and foremost, God is showing up to give you something in, with, and under the means of grace. And then you also get to respond in God-given faith. The word is there in worship, but the word also goes with you into your week in a unique way. Okay, yes, to be baptized does mean to drown daily and rise daily to new life, but you aren't going to the baptismal rite every morning, so you get what I mean. The fact that the word goes with us into the week is why I'm not content to relegate discipleship to sanctified living after you are saved. I think discipleship is a matter of your ongoing connection to the means of grace on a regular, daily, weekly kind of way. Discipleship means handling the means through which the Spirit promises to work. To work not just your sanctification, but also your salvation. Next Step Press recently published a hymn journal for Holy Week titled, When From Death I'm Free. That resource provides scripture readings and devotions along with hymn texts and more modern worship songs combined with prayers and other faith experiments facilitated by illustrators from Visual Faith Ministry. Yeah, it's been a wonderful partnership this whole year. If you head over to the When From Death I'm Free pop-up group on Facebook, you'll find a large number of individuals from all over the country and around the world encouraging each other, sharing scripture and art with each other, gleaning ideas and prayers and courage from what that group is doing as a whole. What those 700 men and women are doing in that group is not merely staying busy while they wait to die. It's not even a simple matter of vocation, living out their calling as a good mom or good dad or good wife or husband. What those people are doing day in and day out as they read and pray and sing and sketch and color and meditate and collage is actually handling the means of grace so that the word might be planted deeply and take root and grow and bear fruit. Otherwise, as the prayer from Sunday said,
through the neglect of the means of grace, any of them could be in danger of having the word in them be unfruitful. Which may not mean they're not saved, but then again it might. By neglecting the means of grace, you put your foot on a path that leads to death. It's not yet to turn it's not yet too late to turn back, but one day it will be. So turn back. Like now. Discipleship is living out in a practical and daily way dependence on Jesus in, with, and under the means of grace. Of course, daily interaction with God's word will mean some growth in sanctified living, but I think that growth is the natural outcome of your salvation being worked out in fear and trembling, Philippians 2.12. Of course, not by your own merit or effort, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do, Philippians 2.13. It is God who works in you both to will and to do, And if you persistently refuse to handle the means of grace, except for a few brief shining moments on Sunday, you are in danger of the fires of hell. I think we should be able to say it that strongly. Discipleship isn't about being a little more faithful. Discipleship is trusting beyond sight that your dependence on Jesus matters in your everyday life. And Jesus is actually present by the power of his spirit to forgive and comfort and strengthen and save again and again and as often as it takes. The alternative, getting a nice sermon on Sunday and a bit of communion at least once a month, leaves you in danger of waking up one morning and realizing Jesus has no place in your life and that therefore you have no place in his Discipleship is not extra stuff beyond saving faith. Discipleship is handling the things that create saving faith day in and day out because you desperately need it. And this particular blog ends with a prayer, and we are already almost at a half hour, so I guess we will close with this prayer. I had a couple other blogs I was hoping to read, but the good news is... We'll get to come back to these again when I don't want to split up a reading of Delight across the weekend or uh, maybe we'll get some of the authors on to read some of their material as well. So let's go ahead and close with this prayer from blog number 25 on page 68. I encourage you to get a copy of this book and add it to your Christmas list. This would be a wonderful way of uh, sharing what the Next Step Press is doing with someone in your congregation or in your family. And... I guess I, you should check out the webpage. It's got pictures of all of our authors on it. I'd just like to note that the contributing authors include Christine Bruin, John Cordry, Anne Gillespie, Katie Helmreich, Rachel Hintz, Kim Longden, Pat Meyer, Valerie Matthias, Justin Rosso, Miriam Rosso, Naomi Rosso, Jamie Wishman, and Steve Wishman. So a lot of people that are near and dear to my heart and to the Next Step community. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight. It's always good to be with you. We'll see you next time. And next at press, let's close with this prayer. Oh Lord, when I'm in danger of having the seed of the word choked out by the cares of this world, have mercy on me. When through the neglect of the means of grace, I'm in danger of having the word in me be unfruitful, have mercy on me.
Call me to faithfulness once again, again and again, and as often as it takes, so I learn to trust your spirit and your power in your word. Teach me to need you, Jesus, every day. Amen. That's a good summary of the mission and ministry of Next Step Press. Teach me to need you, Jesus, every day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you Monday when we pick up our delight book reading again. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you. Bye.